hello and welcome to a special edition of the Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am sat in my living room at the minute in Boston. Ruth is on a different continent and time zone thousands of miles away. Say hello, Ruth. Hello. Um, so we are probably not going to have the best sound quality today, but we're going to try and do something. Uh, Ruth has broken her ankle, so needs some sort of entertainment while she's away on a school trip. So we're going to hope hopefully this is going to entertain her and you for the uh, for the for the next half an hour or so. Um, obviously, we had the China Cup squad released this week. Interesting to say to, to see how gigs handled uh, the press and everything that went around it. But before we get to that, we'll talk about the actual squad. First of all, interesting inclusions I thought were Woodburn, Hedges, uh, Evans, Bowden, and, and, and Wilson particularly for me. Equally, Super Hal isn't in the squad. Obviously, David Brooks has been passed down to the under-21s. No Rambo as he's having a minor procedure on his hamstring. And this will be the last mention of Paul Dummett, I, I promise. Um, what about those that I've mentioned there, or any others for that matter, do you, do you think was interesting? Well, I'm most interested in seeing Harry Wilson. Uh, I think it's been great that he's got himself out of that sort of quagmire he was in at Liverpool and seems to be being quite instrumental in helping Hull lift out of the relegation so there. I'm also excited to see um, Declan John, just because we don't get to see much of what's happening up at up at Rangers. And I think having a either having a backup to Ben Davies or even having a an alternative um, to Neil Taylor as the sort of overlapping wing back if we if we go for five in defence, I think that would be interesting. Um, and then also Connor Roberts. Uh, I think he's making. A real impact at, at Swansea, and I think um, much as I love Gunter at, at right back, I don't think there's any harm in having someone on his shoulder a little bit. I, I totally agree with you, especially um, about Declan John. Obviously, we've been talking about Paul Dummett recently and and alternatives there. And as you say, Declan John has gone under the radar a little bit. He came into the Wales squad when he was quite young and has not really done much uh, in his club career. Um, over the last couple of months, over the last couple of years, sorry, but recently, obviously, he's playing very well for Rangers as a main part of their team. And I agree with you to have some extra depth in that position uh, at left back. And again, given us the versatility we've talked about, maybe needing to put Ben Davis inside, I think having someone who can play that role, I think, is a big bonus, um, especially to add a bit of competition for Neil Taylor, as you said. I also am intrigued by Connor Roberts. I, as much as I love Chris Gunter, his time is going to come to an end and we do still need to plan for that. And I think someone who looks as exciting as Connor Roberts does, as quick as he does, and balanced going forward and um, his defensive abilities, I think is a big bonus to be able to have a bit of extra depth in those areas. Um, so I was very mm -hmm. impressed with that. I, I totally agree with you as well about Wilson. He's the one I'm most looking forward to seeing. When he first kind of burst on the scene, he was hailed as the next big thing and for one reason or or another, things have kind of tailed off a little bit at Liverpool. So for him to go and get first-team football, but also, like you said, have a big impact uh, on whole season so far, I think is a big bonus for him. I would love uh, to see him get some game time as well. I think Woodburn falls into that category of needing some, some game time as well, doesn't he? I agree. I, I, personally, I was quite surprised that Woodburn didn't go to the 21s um, with David Brooks, only because the, the 21s have had a faltering start to their qualifying campaign. Woodburn has only had a small amount of game time for the senior Liverpool team this season. 
Um, and I would have thought that he might have been better served going there. But again, maybe Giggs just wants to have a look at him um, himself and see what he's capable of and see you know, what he thinks he can get out of in longer term. Uh, the other one I wanted to mention was um, looking at the defence, because obviously you and I have been talking about that a little bit, is Chris Mefferman um, coming up from Brentford. He's been sort of in and out of their team a little bit, um, but it does sound like Page has sort of pushed him up from the 21s, you know, in that that sort of um, who's up next uh push that we that, that we seem to uh you know utilize from the 21s up to the up to the main squad so i thought that was interesting that he appears to be the one that page has singled out out of the most recent group to get some game time mm. no i agree with you I, I, like to be honest i haven't seen much of chris metham this year but obviously i've heard a lot of good things and read a lot of things about him um, I, I think a, a part of it is it depends ultimately on what the, the, the end goal is for Ethan Ampadu. I think we can talk about Ash's successor as long as we want. If if Giggs decides that he wants Ampadu to be a central defender, then there's no doubt in my mind that he is the natural replacement. I do think he wants to have a look at people like uh, Metham, and I know we've talked about Lockyer in the past as well, but Ultimately, that all just is irrelevant if it if it turns out that Ampadu is going to play centre centre back. I don't disagree with that, but I actually wonder whether we're now reaching a point where it's actually that holding midfield, maybe as much not as much of an issue, but also something we need to address with Edwards retiring and Ledley's being well, obviously he's injured at the minute, but whether there's a Something there. I can see Lee Evans falling into that sort of defensive midfield slot at the minute, but whether they want to look at Ampadu almost in both roles and see which one they feel he might be more ready for in the short term. I think ultimately, I think we both think he's going to end up as a, a central defender, but that might be a few years down the line. You know, I think the possibility of him and Allen as a defensive midfield pair. That's just really exciting. I totally agree with you. And I would much rather see uh, Ampadu in that holding role, replacing Ledley, not just in the China Cup, but moving forward as well. I think that's where, I think, as you say, a holding midfield partnership of of Alan and Ampadu, I think, is exciting. Because as much as I have a lot of time for Joe Ledley, I think Ampadu can already play more than Joe Ledley. Um, so I, I feel that that's, that's probably his best position. Plus... I think he's young, he adds a bit of vibrancy and a bit of some legs to that midfield. Not that it needed it, but I think he brings a lot to the table in that. Well, I think I want to get on to Ampadu a little bit more in a bit. Um, The only other one I wanted to ask you about uh, was Billy Bowden. I've I've been kind of half following him and he's done well at Bristol. Uh, he's, he basically is on one goal every two games, give or take at Bristol. Got a move to P- Preston in the in the January transfer window, where he's only scored one goal in nine. I was a little bit surprised to see him in the squad. I, I don't disagree with that. I think he might well have been the one that you know, if Aaron was going, he might well have been the name that wasn't on the list. That makes um, sense. I think he he does seem adaptable, but it's not. It doesn't seem like we we ha- we haven't got an issue on the left wing. Um, and so to to be looking at someone who's almost 26 when we've got a host of younger players that we ought to be embedding, um, 
I get the feeling this is his, you know, a sort of nod of thanks kind of trip. Uh, but I would be surprised if we see him much further than, than these two games. I agree. I think Giggs, again, probably just wants to have a look at him. The last thing I will say before we move on is about Super Hal. I was interested to see he's, he's not in the squad because I appreciate he has recently recovered from injury. Um, although that said, I, I found it most interesting that there were a lot of people who there was a given explanation as to why they weren't there. They talked about Rambo, the Dummit was even mentioned. Um, yet, when it came to Hal, he was just omitted from the squad and there seemed to be no mention of it in the press conference. And I hope this is not the case. But could this mean that Giggs doesn't fancy him because he's not playing much? Um, and unless he gets some game time, he's not going to get back into the squad? Or do you think it was maybe just an oversight that they forgot to mention why he wasn't going to be there? I think there's an, a kind of obvious explanation why he's not in the squad, given where he is in his journey back from, from the injury and the playing time he hasn't been having. Um, so I'm leaning towards it being an omission. I think we're so short of strikers that I don't think we're in a position to to think that we won't need him going forward. Um, it's not as though we've got a string of, of options up front. Uh, so I think I, I would imagine it's just he's not ready for this trip. I, I assume the same sort of thing, that the, apparently later the reason given was following his injury that Obviously, flying all that way is not going to aid his recovery as West Brom are trying to bounce, you know, bounce back from a pretty dire run of results and try and get, try and stay in the Premier League. So I, I, I do understand the logic. I just found it interesting personally that there was no mention um, of how or why he wasn't there when everyone else sort of seemed to be accounted for. I thought that was interesting. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. It's, I mean, it's a question worth asking, isn't it? No, I think so, um, and I hope it's not the last we see him in because. As you say, I think we are thin on the ground with strikers and I think that we need as much help as we can get in that particular department. Uh, and regardless of what you think of Hal, I'd rather have him a hundred times over than Billy Bodin. So I hope he is, you know, retains his involvement. Speaking of people we want to be involved, another seamless link there brings me to Sir Gareth Bale. Um, I know his name was on the, on the piece of paper, uh, and it was announced he was going and everything else. Do you actually think he'll go? I think he might well go. I think it's very unlikely he'll play. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we've already done a, a deal with Real Madrid where it's, you know, can we please take him for PR purposes, but we promise not to play him. Um, you know, I, can, I think Giggs might have enough kind of pull to, to get an okay for that sort of arrangement. I noticed, um, I was reading perhaps on Twitter, that there's some sort of press conference set up, um, almost like a meet and greet conference that some of the fans can go to and Bale is slated for that. And I'm not sure they would have, FA Wales would have necessarily listed him if they weren't relatively sure he was going to be there. Um, so I think he might be on the plane, but I don't think we'll see him on the on the pitch. I, I agree. I think in regards to that, I think he'll be on the plane. And I think I agree with you. I saw the same thing on Twitter about him being named for the meet and greet sort of thing. What I actually think might happen is I don't think he'll play against China at all. But I do think if we were to get through to the final against people like Cavani and Suarez, then I 
think that he might play in that. Because I think... Every, yeah, I think everyone that, there that understands a bit more. Smacks what of the a sort of a nod and a wink between the two managers at that point is either either we're all playing all of them or we're both playing neither of them. Yeah, as, you know what I mean. Yeah, we'll all, we'll all, all leave our stars out or we'll all roll them out, and they just kind of agree that between them. I think I think that, and I think I can I can see the logic in that, and especially if we get to the final from Giggs's perspective, he will want to. He'll want to win that. I mean, I, I know it's only an, an actual China Cup, but I think that he's, he wants to start things off on a on a positive footing. And I think if we get the opportunity to win any sort of silverware, even if it is in a you know in a friendly tournament, I think he'll take it. And I think especially if Suarez and Cavani and Godin and all those people play for Uruguay, and our big players don't, there's there's a very legitimate chance we could get. A little bit embarrassed there, so I would imagine yeah. that he would want Bale to play in that as well, just so that that is less likely to happen. How how do you think we are gonna line up? This was part of your homework, so I hope you've done it um, about predicting <laughs> a starting lineup. Um, well, I I think the irony in in the the arrangements of these two games is that if you want to be experimental, it actually first game lends itself to that more than the second game. I agree. Um, I think it's diff- I think it's different if you get beaten by China and you're in effectively the third, fourth playoff, then I think you can get an experimental as you want. But assuming we make it to the final, I agree with you. I think Giggs will want to win this or at least put on a damn good show. Yeah. You know, it might be a 2-1 defeat, but we'll, but we'll have, you know, we'll have shown what we're capable of. So I actually think he's more likely to experiment a little bit in the first game, perhaps p- bring some people like on off the bench in the second half if it's you know if it's a one-one and, it, and it looks yeah. like we're struggling a bit and we need we need a bit of oomph. Uh, but I think he might be blooding more people in the first game and then going a little more established in in a, in any sec- in the second game. I totally agree. With you. I see this panning out a little bit like the Panama and then France combination of friendlies that were Coleman's last in that I agree that I think we've got enough to beat China and I think we should play a fairly experimental team there and then in the final if should we get there against either Uruguay or the Czech Republic most likely the Uruguayans then I think it's time to get out your bales um etc etc I still think there's some people I think we still need to have some kind of experienced spine of the team but I think we can definitely mm-hmm. afford to be a bit more experimental in the first game. So my rough plan, if uh, if Giggs is listening, is I will play, give Chris Maxwell a starting goal. We all know what Wayne Hennessy is capable of. He's definitely our number one. There's no argument there. But it will give chan- Giggs a chance to look at whether Maxwell is up to it as an, in- at an international standard, albeit against China. Um, I would stick with Ash and James Chester in the middle. And I would give Declan John and Connor Roberts a start each at, at fullback. I think Connor Roberts has done enough, in my mind anyway, to be given an opportunity to showcase what he's done. He looks like an exciting young player, and I think there's a, an opportunity for him there to show us what he can do. Um, I would play like a, a 4 2 3 1. Um, so I would have Ampadu and Allen as the holding midfielders. I think 
the more game time Ampadu gets for Wales, regardless of what position he ends up in, is going to be better for him and his development. And again, we want as many people as we can with as much experience and as many caps as we can. So I think that would be a big bonus. Um, and then either side, I think I would go for uh, Woodburn on one wing. I think, again, he does need some game time. And I feel that he would definitely benefit from you know experiencing something different like this. I would have Vokes up front. In an ideal world, I'd probably have Bale, obviously, as the number 10 kind of floating. But the reality of that situation means it's not going to happen. So I'd probably go for Tom Lawrence. I would go for Tom Lawrence yep. on the other side and Harry Wilson as number 10 would be how I would set up. And as I say, with uh, with Vokesy up front then, 4-2-3-1. What about, what about, have you got any suggestions? Okay, our, fo- our formations are remarkably alike, given mm-hmm. we are literally, what, 8,000 miles <laughs> apart. Um, so I had Maxwell in goal as well. I mean, I, think, I don't think there's any point in putting Hennessy in for this game. Um, the back four is actually where we were. I'm a little bit different from you. I have I have Declan John in, and then um, I so my four were Gunter, Williams, Mepham, and John. But on the basis that I would probably sub Roberts in for the second half over Gunter. Right. Okay. Um, I th- I think it's worth. Um, I want Williams to play. I know I know there's some there seems to be some talk about whether he should or, or shouldn't play. I think it's. I think this is a real sort of psychologically important couple of weeks for him, both to both to act as to sort of start the transition of him no longer being our centre back and no longer being our captain. Um but also an opportunity for him to be working with some of these younger players um more explicitly, whether it's Lockyer or, or Metham, I think I think that needs to happen. Um and then the reason I put John in is I think all the arguments that Real Madrid have in terms of protecting Bale. I think it's perfectly understandable that that Spurs would be making the same noises about Ben Davies. And for that matter, that Stoke would make noises about Joe Allen, given how precarious they are at the minute. Um, So that's why I was putting John out on the the left wing. And then I also had Allen and Ampadu holding. And then, so mine's effectively a, a... a four-two-three-one as well with Wilson and Lawrence and Woodburn and, and Vokes up front. Um, although I would probably do another sub and bring Bradshaw in for the second half. So we're not that different in our thinking. No, I, the only thing I'm, I mean, I'm intrigued about. You were talking about Ashley Williams. There is Giggs has mentioned that he wants him to remain as captain. He doesn't see any need to change it. Do you think that is a ceremonial thing, or do you think that that means he is going to be his starting centre back? at least for the Nations League and possibly then for the 2020 qualifying campaign as well? My reading of that was probably this calendar year by, you know, in the foreseeable future, as it were. I don't don't think it's going to be much longer than that, but I, I can understand the desire not to upset Applecart too much. And he is a good captain. There's no doubt about that. So I think his his influence and his involvement is important for gigs, certainly in the shorter term, um, so that there's there's that, that sort of bridging between the management and the players is sound and and is happening in 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 a, a sort of mature and organised and established way. And then with time as well, I suppose gigs is going to need to work out who he wants as captain. Um, I mean, there's a, there's 
we're blessed in some ways. We've got a, quite a few good candidates. Um, and I think Giggs is also buying himself some time to work out who he wants to be the next captain. I agree with you. I was just, like, and most of what you're saying, I, it just surprised me a little bit that he didn't install someone as like a, and maybe he has, maybe would behind the scenes perhaps, as like a, as a vice captain so that, it doesn't kind of commit Ash to playing all the time. And when he doesn't play, then we have someone who will step in because the implication is he's not going to play all the games and someone else is going to kind of pick up that role. Um, yeah, I just think, I think if you if you nominate a vice-captain at this point, you're, you're basically kind of saying who you anticipate being the next captain. And I'm just not sure he's necessarily ready to, to make that decision. So you think it's more of the fact that he doesn't want to make the decision yet rather than... I don't think he quite needs to make the decision yet. Okay, fair enough. If if, Ash, if we think Ashley is good enough for our starting centre-half right at the minute, then you don't need to address the captaincy issue. No, I suppose that's fair. I, suppose I, don't, that's think fair. It's going to, I don't think it's going to be long before we do because I don't think it's going to be long before we really need to work out what's happening with those two centre-backs. And I don't think it will be Ashley for much longer. And perhaps because Giggs knows it won't be asked for much longer, there just isn't the need to make any changes. No, I can see that. I think that's fair. Um, I think when it comes to the, to, the, to the teams you've mentioned, I think you're right. I think he is going to go half experimental, half sensible. Um, and I agree with what you said about Ben Davis, that he'll, they'll be monitoring him, and I'm not sure how much of a role he'll play in the first game, if at all. Um, Equally, then you're probably looking at other people who are going to come into the into the game. People like maybe Lee Evans, you mentioned there, some time as a holding midfielder. Uh, Andy King has been going okay since he's moved to the Swans. Um, and then people like Bradshaw, uh, from my perspective anyway, coming in. Uh, maybe even Bale coming on for the last 20 minutes. I've, I've, I've read here that Giggs has said uh, yesterday that Bale is, a, is a ready to play a full part in... In the trip, so I do think he will play a lot more than people expect. Um, so hopefully, for the second game, then we would obviously probably have a different starting eleven, which would be our strongest team, including the likes of Hennessy, uh, Ben Davis, Gunter. I would still keep yeah. Amper- Chester. Chester, exactly. I would still keep Ampadu in yeah. over over Joe Ledley personally, but then Bale on one side. Um, and then it's a, it's a bit of a toss-up between the others then, but probably still stick with Vokes up front. And again, maybe coming from the bench, I'd expect that's where you talked about, mentioned Billy Bowden somewhere, I'd expect him to get some game time off the bench um, as well. So it'll be an interesting interesting couple of games, and I do think, as you say, my start in 11 for the second game would be very different to my start in 11 for the first game. Yep, agreed. Finally, on this, before we move on to the backroom stuff, Giggs mentioned about having like a winning mentality um, and he said it's a tournament, we should be looking to win it. I thought the way he spoke about this was really interesting. He's obviously keen to banish the what he sees as a myth about his friendly appearances. Um, and I think he's obviously setting this up as something very important. I did, it did make me think about his winning mentality, to be at the top level as he was for a long, long time and win as much as he did personally and um, in the teams he played for. That winning mentality is something that he obviously is keen to install right from the word go, friendly or otherwise. He sees this as a tournament, therefore we should be trying to win it. Um, I, f- I found that interesting. Do you think we can win it? Thanks to Paul Goddard for the question. Oh, I think we can win it. Um, I think it, 
a lot, I think, depends on what our aims for the tournament are. You know, if we literally want to experiment and look at a few players who perhaps haven't got so much game time this season and see what their roles might be, if we're, if we're going into the tournament with that as the priority, we're not going to win it. But then that, you know, th that would be accepted, wouldn't it, if that's yeah. what, we're, what we're utilizing the two games for. I get the feeling he would actually find that incredibly difficult to do. He's too used to success, I think, to go into even these two games thinking, I don't, it doesn't matter if we win. I, I just, I just don't think that's in his psyche. No, I agree. Um, and I think also he's, he, you know, let's assume it's the Uruguayans that goes through from the other pairing. Then, at the moment, in terms of rankings, we're, we're basically neck and neck in the rankings with them at the moment. We're marginally ahead, but it's, you know, it's we're so close to semantics. Yeah. So there you're looking at a team that we should be desiring a win over. Um, and so on, on that basis, I think you have, you have to go in treat, treating this seriously. And I think because it's his first couple of games, he and the backroom staff are making a statement to the team that we're taking this seriously. And I also think it stems from the fairly meaningless points, but the point that, you know, he was friendly phobic, that he, I think he does have to make a, a statement about his approach to these games. Um, and that he, that, you know, they're not the sort of things that people can opt in and out of for the, for the fun of it. You know, you want to be, you want to be part of this squad. There is, there's people nipping on your heels for places. We've got people, you know, backups in every role, you know, potentially if that, you know, if that's how he wants to portray it and just make the point that it's, you know, it's a, a real set of games. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Obviously, Aaron Ramsey isn't going. Uh, slight procedure. I'm personally quite glad that he's not going. If he needs to get the procedure now, I'd much rather he gets this done now. And it is something that is, means he's fit and has a full pre-season behind him ahead of the Nations League games uh, that are going to be coming up. What do you think? Yeah, I, I certainly agree with, with all of that. I just, I just despair of what's happening at Arsenal in terms of their care and maintenance for their players because it just seems endless the the issues to, you know to the point where i mean i don't suppose anything is getting addressed there at the minute but but you know there's got to be some questions about what's happening with the the fitness and, and medical side of things there no i'm i'm, I'm intrigued aaron has been someone who has had a lot of injury problems um over the years and he does have a tendency to pick up these little niggles i'm just surprised as you say, that they kind of kind of same things kind of keep recurring. I'm not sure uh, what that is. I was having an interesting conversation with someone last night, actually, who was talking about how at Arsenal, Wenger is in charge of everything. He, In a footballing sense, he answers to no one. And as a consequence of that, I really feel like there's some stuff which is kind of being left to rot a little bit. That's perhaps a bit harsh, but... Um, that's kind of been let let down, and I think I feel like the amount of injuries that a lot of their players get, um, perhaps the medical side is part of it. And I think we we talked about this last time. There's no way that Rambo should be looking to stay there at the end of this season. I think I don't know where else he would go right now, but I, I think you know we talked about it last time. I think something mm. needs to change for him, and I do think that will obviously benefit Wales massively if it does. 
Okay, now I can't, we can't let this go without um, talking about Dummett. I am. Um, really, I'm really glad you brought that up. I now, I know you've advocated for him, but I'm sorry, I'm washing my hands of him nowadays. I think that's fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I first saw the squad come out, I was I was disappointed he wasn't in it. I thought it would give me a chance to beat my proverbial drum a little bit more, and then I found out the reason why he wasn't in it, and I mm-hmm. despair. Um, I, I, I stand by what I've said about him as, in terms of his qualities as a player, but I think that the new Wales manager rings you up and asks if you want to come on this trip, you're part of my plan sort of thing, and you say no. And I, at that point, I just you've got to say, well, time's time. Um, and, you know, on a personal level, I'm delighted that Newcastle United means that much to him that he wants to focus on making sure he's best prepared and doesn't want to lose his place in the team and all that. I, you know, I'm glad for that, but from a Welsh perspective, it's a, it's a disappointment because he is very good. He is very good defensively. I think he could be a welcome addition to our defensive line, as I've said before, but from from this point on, I think he's done he's done this to himself, and I, uh, and I agree with you. I, I think we need to wash our hands of him, unfortunately. Um, okay. <laughs> well, now I've been totally embarrassed. Um, we will move on uh, to the backroom staff. Uh, I've got to be honest that I'm really impressed. I know Strudwick initially, Tony Strudwick initially said no to the performance director job, and I, I wasn't sure whether that was because of Man United saying no or him saying no, but it would appear that it was Man United and there's been a bit of a U-turn there and he's coming in. Um, a Manchester United supporting friend of mine has said he's got the players, he had, he got the players fitter than they've ever been. He worked with Fergie for six years. I think he's a great appointment. I've got to be honest, and I think as 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 much of a shame as it is to see Ryland Morgan's go, I think having Tony Strudwick come in is a is a big coup for gigs. And you know, I'll come on to Albert Sturm players from her um, a little bit later, but I think it does go to show that he does have some sort of pulling power, and I think he has utilised that pulling power in this instance. And and I think it's a, it's a I really do think it's a fantastic appointment. Definitely agree with you in the sense of the quality of the appointment. Um, I think both uh, both of the appointees demonstrate Higgs's ability to kind of leverage his connections, and thank but thankfully without just going to the default of the class of '92, which I think was always the fear that we had um, that he'd be bringing in the likes of Scholes as a as an assistant coach. Looking at Strugwick's appointment in particular, it does still seem a bit fishy to me because you had a situation where back in the autumn, Coleman was clearly trying to establish a couple of key roles as full-time. My understanding was originally Strudwick was offered a part-time role with FA Wales and United said no, presumably on the basis that they didn't want him pulled in too many directions. Now he's leaving there and coming to us permanently, which suggests it's a full-time role. Um, and so just the sort of Machiavellian nature of that and what's been going on the, in the background just makes me you know, a little inquisitive, although obviously I'm very happy with the, with the outcome. Um, as you say, I think the fact that we can pull someone with that role from a club of the quality of Manchester United... He, you know, if he'd have gone sort of on the open market with his CV, there must have been 
good other opportunities for him. Um, so I think the fact that we've secured someone of that standing is great. And, and from what I'm reading and what I'm hearing and, and what you, your, your friend was saying, he's clearly made a difference at, uh, at Manchester United. So I think um, that that also you know, puts us on, on a good basis. And I think the fact that other clubs, when they're dealing with him in terms of releasing players and things, you know, he's going to have a good understanding of what a club's priorities and concerns are. So, he, you know, he'll be up front and addressing those. So I think all in all, it's an excellent, uh, excellent appointment. No, I, I very much agree. I, I, I take your point about the, the goings-on and the part-time to full-time. Maybe it's, um, it's an indicator of Giggs's sort of power, if you like, newfound power at the FAW. They said, look, this bloke is only going to come if he gets a full-time job. He's a bloody good coach sort yourselves out and maybe that's something that has changed um there which you know if that's well we've the all case, i'm sure we've thing. all had we've all seen situations in in work situations where the new person like gets all the toys yeah um and you know you know that you know that the colleague that left a month ago has been pushing water uphill asking for exactly those toys and a new person comes in and suddenly there's an expenditure yeah. um, and so I mean I agree with you I think it might well just be that pattern um, looking at the other appointment as well there's still no uh, replacement for Ian Mitchell so we'll, I will come back to that in the for Albert Stuyvenberg which I have I think is how you pronounce his name um, I think again equally he's a great appointment he's, he's worked at Man United for a long time again my Man United supporting friend has, tells me that the co- that the players used to rave about his trading sessions. Um, he's won the under 17s Euros with Holland twice uh, as he was there as he was their manager. He has has other roles as well uh, with a variety of successes. But the fact that he was involved at Manchester United and and is so highly rated by so many different people, I think, is a very positive thing for us. And I think he will understand the benefit of youth. And making sure that younger players are involved in the squads, um, I think again he's a great appointment. And again, it, it, we're steering clear of his mates from the class of '92. I'm, I appreciate they are both Man United recruits, but again, you know there are worse places to recruit from. Let me tell you. Yeah, I think I think the the, the sort of Dutch background I can see actually suiting us in terms of the players we have currently as well. I think that's important. I, th- I like the fact that he's developed and grown youth talent uh, you know and I actually think um, initially I was thinking oh quite where does this lead Oshin and but actually I think being able to Oshin having a coach of that quality to be sparking ideas off and you know looking at looking at the younger players and and having more of a sort of team approach to that flow I think actually might be a very positive outcome of this. I agree and part of me also made made me think that it gives Oshan maybe a bit more freedom to go and continue his role with the other parts of the with the FAW. He's not, you know, specifically Giggs is number two and that's his biggest role. It means there's someone else who can help Giggs in the interim and, and Oshan can go and do what he wants to do with the, you know, with the lower age group teams, which I thought um, might have been part of the decision making. Um, mm-hmm. look, looking at uh, Ian Mitchell very quickly, I am concerned that there's no direct replacement. Although 
Uh, with that said, I do think that the the way that these appointments have kind of panned out, we were kind of critical of a lack of a plan and a lack of foresight, and we didn't know what was going to happen. There was a no announcement, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. When it would appear that they did have a plan, they would just wait. They were just taking their time to kind of put it all together. Um, leads me to believe that there's probably a plan in place for for a replacement for Ian Mitchell, and maybe they've got to wait to the end of the Premier League season or whatever to get someone from another club that they've targeted. So I, I'm a lot more willing to allow there to be some leeway in that in that capacity, given that they have, I think, made us eat humble pie a little bit in that they clearly do have a plan. And, and to be fair to Giggs and the FAW and whoever else was involved, I think they've ex- executed that plan really bloody well. Um, and I don't think we could have imagined getting someone in of the quality that we have. So maybe we should just trust Giggs and the FAW that they have got someone in mind and they're going to do what they need to do to get the right person in at the right time. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. Um, although I do, I do wonder whether they've been quite as organized with Mitchell's role. I, I still question this whole part-time full-time um, and whether they, you know, went to him with a part-time role and he said, no, thank you and took full-time with England and suddenly they're having to think about it again. I think it's I think it's less crucial in the very short term. I think we can certainly get through these upcoming three friendlies um, without necessarily having to have someone in that role. Or perhaps we just to con someone from, you know, Swansea or Cardiff or something in the short term. Um, and but make sure we get an appointment in place over the summer. Clearly, I mean, I agree. I, I'm, I'm sure someone will go in, in the short term. Whether if someone doesn't go to the tournament uh, or even the nations, the nations league games. To be perfectly honest, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think having having a psychologist with you if you get to a tournament, I think is a different kettle of fish, um, and I think that's where we would need someone. So I, I do think that longer term, it's not an immediate concern. And I personally, I'm happy to let them do what they've got to do here because I, I, I think. They've certainly exceeded my expectations with who they've brought in and how they've done it. So I'm more than willing to, to place trust in their hands again to, to get the right person in in the right time frame uh, regarding the, the replacement of Mitchell. The last thing that I want to talk about is Dave Edwards. He is obviously retired from, from international football. He released a, a lovely statement on Twitter last night. I feel like he might be someone who we could quite easily overlook but I think has been an important part of Welsh football during both the most difficult of times and, and latterly the most successful of times. Um, I mean, you're much better at saying the nice things than I am, so um, <laughs> I, I, will, I, I will leave the last word to you. The only thing I, I do want to say are about Dave Edwards is he seems to be someone who played for Wales in an unselfish way. In the time frame that he's played for us, he could have picked up more caps than he has yet. He's not been involved, but he still turns up for the next camp. At a time when John Toshak was throwing in youngsters left, right and centre and he got his kind of first run in the team, he curtailed all of his attacking intent, which he naturally held as a player, mm-hmm. to basically allow Rambo to be the more creative member of the team and other people in, in, along that line as well, like Kumas. Equally, when we get through that difficult time, obviously we've got Gary Speed who comes in and obviously we all know what happened with Gary and I understand that he was a big part of that squad um, when the worst happened and held 
a lot of people together and was you know referred to as the glue if you like in that squad um when we've got through to then us qualifying for the euros had bit parts to play um but very important parts uh, the cyprus cyprus away game being one of them equally he was you know was part of that first game in Bordeaux against Slovakia as well which he obviously won so I think he is someone who over the years may not be a, a spectacular player or not someone you'll remember to your grandkids saying I, I, I remember I saw Dave Edwards play um, but I don't think you can underestimate his contribution to Welsh football and the time span that he has contributed as I say from some of the worst times to unquestionably our best so I will leave the, the last word to you, Ruth. But I, for me, I very much wanted to say thank you very much to Dave Edwards for his contribution and, uh, and what he's been a part of uh, over the last however many years it's been. I actually think you start up really well. I think there's there's always a tendency, isn't there, to overlook the, the sort of quiet, methodical, dependable members of any team, um, well, football or otherwise. And I think... Um, he definitely falls into that category. You know, the, the fact that it was clear from his sort of resignation message that um, he, he feels there's a, a time and a place for him to be moving on as much to create squad space for younger players. And, and he knows himself how much he benefited from being part of the squad at a relatively young age and how much he learned from that. And I think that's just very reflective of someone who who clearly just loved playing for Wales and I think we, we we need to be conscious and grateful for those players we're blessed with the the Ramses and, and Bales and Allens of the world every now and then uh, but most of our sporting history is is reliant on more Dave Edwards characters who will just keep slugging through and giving their all and and showing determination and guts and, and perseverance. And I think it's really important. And it, it's been reflected from other fans. Um, you know, people, people who have watched him through that journey, as you say, from the worst and the best of times. Um, well, on that particular bombshell, uh, we, we shall finish. It's, we are going to do a, we'll do a proper review of the China Cup once uh, all the games have been played and hopefully Wales have, have come home with with the trophy so thank you very much for listening to our little preview our special preview show uh, we hope you enjoy it thank you very much for listening